my name's Christian Thorpe and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we've uh, been away for three weeks and thank you for your release that allows us as a family to just go away and just recharge over those, over those three weeks. We had the joy, just as a bit of an introduction, we had the joy of, um, of visiting a church whilst we were away. And uh, this church, some 13 years ago, uh, was a church that I guess was similar in size to us, uh, a few hundred people. Um, but because they got intentional about reaching lost people, they got very intentional about connecting with people who were far away from Jesus. And uh, they did that in, in terms of how they programmed their services. And they did that in terms of how they reached out to their local community. So they really engaged with the community as, we, as we're doing. And, and I know it's America, but you've just got to work with the figures. So there was a few hundred people. But because they got intentional about reaching lost people, that church numbers... Uh, well over 6,000 people just a dozen years later. Uh, they've seen 4,500 people baptized in that, uh, in that 12, 12 year period. So we're talking about something significant there. And it was our joy to be able to just enjoy uh, a service uh, with them and uh, was really blessed by it. But I want to just say some things. There were some things that I came away and thought, wow, that was fantastic. And there's a lot for us to learn and absorb. But let me just say, you guys are much more demonstrative in worship than they were. And I thank you for that. Keep being demonstrative in worship. You know, keep lifting your hands in worship. Keep lifting your voices. Keep clapping your hands. And some of you, if you feel compelled to have a little bit of a jig, that's fine. Because as I looked around, there weren't many jiggers. (laughs) There weren't many jiggers and there weren't many hand raisers. You know, the life of God was there. It was wonderful. But I was just so pleased and I thought, I'm going to tell the church, thank you for being so demonstrative in worship. Keep pressing into all that God has for you. Amen. The second thing is the welcome here, not that welcome for six. We were welcome, but nowhere near how we get a welcome here. And keep welcoming. Keep welcoming people. Keep shaking hands. Keep connecting people if you don't know who they are. If it's your first time in, we want you to feel just incredibly welcomed here. You know, even if you just feel like your life's in a bit of a mess and in tatters, we just want you to feel very, very welcome. So there were two things, that observations that I wanted to come away to you guys and say, thank you for being demonstrative in worship and thank you for being a welcoming community. You can pat yourself on the back. We beat the Americans, hip hip. I'm joking. It was just great, you know, to be able to, to do that. Now, let me just say something, though, to you this morning. This morning... You're incredibly noisy. I just need to say it. Okay. Because we can get into bad habits. And I've said this before. You know, if you just let things slip, like your kids, let's just deal with it out of that. If you just don't repeat things to them, you just slip into old ways, don't we? We all do it. So I'm not having a go at anybody. I'm just saying we all do it. So what happened this morning is there was two, two, two times when Julie was trying to share something. And everybody just continued to talk. We're giving you lots of opportunity to talk. We want you to talk, okay? Nudge the person next to you says, he does want us to talk. We want you to connect. But there's times as well where we just want you to listen. Are you listening to me? Is, do you receive that? So please, if you could help us with that. Then it happened again in the worship. This song that they was just doing and people were talking. If we can just be, you know, a little bit more respectful. Is that okay? And, uh, and I think that will, that will help us. 
in terms of where we want to go as a church. Well, it's my joy to be able to just share with you around the felt needs. It's interesting that whilst I was away, there's been a lot of challenges and a lot of needs. And I'm glad to hear that Steve's on the mend, one of our elders. And um, I'll be checking in. Jared's here this morning. He's doing, doing good. Fantastic. But it's, it's amazing how things happen over a course of even a three week. We have one of our elders who has a heart attack. We, we, whilst it was the day that, I, we, that we left, we had uh, one of our dear, dear ladies, one of our pioneers in Mansfield, went to be with Jesus. The funeral happened. While I was away, just got some news with regard to Margaret, and she's not doing so well, Margaret Blackburn, for those who know. And just amazing how, just in three weeks, things happen. Let me just say, this has nothing to do with it. Make sure you make, uh, you grab hold of every moment. Time is so precious. We only have one life to live. And I'm not talking about you living it frantically and wild. And I want to jump out of an airplane. Way! I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about every moment. Take every moment. Even this moment. Who knows what God wants to say to you in this moment. Okay. But things can happen. There are needs that happen over the course of a three week period. And Phil had the joy last week of just, I don't know whether it was the joy. Actually, I'm glad he got that message and I got this one. Because he was talking about trouble. Mind you, he is full of trouble, isn't he, that Phil Pye? We all know that. And because uh, I'm the good lad, you just, I'm different. He, he, he was the trouble one. and He's not here, that's why I can say it. And, and, um, but you identified through a survey and through the community that some of the felt needs were, there was, what about trouble in this world? And this morning, it's my joy to be able to just try and unpack something that some of you identified with and the community certainly identified with in that there were two things. One, there was just some issues with regards to relationships. And secondly, with regards to loneliness. I'm not surprised by the second one of loneliness. It's a little bit intrigued by the one of relationships. And so it's going to be impossible for me to unpack in any depth those two subjects because them in themselves need a subject on their own, don't they? But we'll endeavor to just try and work through over these two, over these next 25 minutes or so, we'll be endeavor to just work through these two subjects. I want to say this with regards to felt need though. Whether you're here for the first time or whether you've been here and you've been part of church life for many, many years, Jesus sees your need. It says in Matthew in chapter 9 and verse 36, and it'll come on the screen if you want to follow me on an electronic device or in the Bible, please feel, to do, feel free to do so. But this is what it says in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. It says, Jesus saw. Everybody say saw. saw. Not talking about a chopping saw. He saw with his eyes. Jesus saw because Jesus was fully human. Jesus felt, he saw, he heard, he smelt. He understood he was fully human and yet fully God. And Jesus saw the crowds. And his heart was filled with pity for them. Not the kind of pity that goes there, there, there. This pity was, was where he, actually the word in the Greek means to have your intestines and bowels twist inside of you. He felt such a, such a compassion. He felt such a hurt in his heart as he saw the needs of the people. 
because they were worried and they were helpless. He says in one version that Jesus had compassion on them. You see, very often we think that we're alone and Jesus doesn't see our needs, doesn't feel our needs. But I want to tell you that Jesus sees your needs. He hears your cries and he feels it with you. You are not alone. Jesus sees not only the needs that you have, but the needs of the world. In fact, the Bible says this, that there's not a bird that falls to the ground that God doesn't know about. He knows everything about everything. And we often think, and I've come back with a solid conviction that we need to be people of God's word and live out God's word and not out of what people's opinions say or out of what we think we, we should know, or even by a popular author, we live out of God's word. Yeah. And God's word says that I see your needs, and God says today that I see the bird that falls to the ground. That's how much he loves us. He knows everything about everything that goes on in our worlds, whether it's big or small. This is what the psalmist says in Psalm 120, verse 1. He says this, I called on the Lord in my distress. And he answers me. I call on the Lord in my need. And he answers me. I, I, I I'm always have a wry smile to myself when I hear people who have no faith and they, they encounter trouble and they say, I just said a prayer to a big man upstairs or some words to that kind of effect. And basically what they're saying is there was a need and I knew I wasn't able to carry it. And so I cast it to somebody, even though I didn't know he existed. Very often they go on to say... But I want to say that God hears every cry, he hears every distress, he hears every concern that we bring before the Lord. Do you know that this morning? If you are here and you are in distress, he hears it, he sees it, he feels it. What we have to learn to do, like the psalmist said, I called on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Very often we take our needs to everybody else. So I've got a need and I take it to Kev. And I, t- I have a need and I take it to Julia. Or I have a need and I take it to Paul. And actually what God says is don't just, you can, of course, you, it's good to talk things through. But actually the first place we need to go with our needs is where? To God. What do we need to do? Pray first. And so in this felt need series, in the needs that you feel, there were people who were feeling very much around the whole issue to do with loneliness. Let me just get straight to it. Loneliness is of epidemic proportions in the United Kingdom. And this is a result of many, many things. But let me just highlight a few of them. People feel lonely because of breakdown of marriages. Their marriages are are broken down and they now find themselves alone. There are some people who feel very much alone because the family is fragmented. There's been a divide that's happened in a particular family and, and, and there's been hurt caused and, and they're, now, they're now, you know, completely estranged from, from their families. Some people, families are fragmented because it used to be that children would stay in the locality of where mum and dad were, but now that isn't the case and the world has become a very small place, yes? And now people travel and live away and emigrate and all kinds of things and people can feel very lonely. It's interesting, the increase of communication has actually exposed this to be even more of an issue because you think with communication uh, lines much better in terms of Twitter and email and Facebook and Skype and all those things, 
the, the idea you'd feel less lonely, but actually that is creating the problem, not alleviating the problem. Because actually what's happening, instead of people feeling connected, they're feeling disconnected because there is an increase of non-touch environments. I'm not against email. I'm not against Twitter. I use Twitter. I don't use Facebook. I'm not going to slam Facebook. There's Snapchat. There's WhatsApp. There's, you know, all kinds of apps out there, all kinds of technology. There's, there's, there's great tools. But it must never, ever, ever replace this. It must never. Okay? Now, I'm not saying, please don't now think, I'm going to email the pastor and I've got a need and you've all got to come and do this. Because, of course, you'd be running around all over the place. Please contextualize it. But there are times when this is needed. And there are times, I want to say this, when I have done this to some of you as we've been downstairs on Sundays after services, and this is all you've needed. You just needed this. You've needed this from somebody, a touch. Because people feel very isolated. And so there is a real issue around loneliness. In fact, the Office of National statistics say this, in 2014 they reported, listen to me carefully, that Britain, they report, sorry, they reported Britain to be the loneliness capital of Europe. They said that British people are less likely to have strong friendships or know their neighbours. Let me ask you, I'm going to do a straw poll now. I want you to be honest here. How many of you Know your neighbours really well. Raise your hands. Really well. So we're not doing so bad. And that isn't to shame the other people. There may be reasons around that. All I'm saying is it's quite interesting that I think if I'd have straw-polled this 40 years ago, when I was a young lad... In fact, no, I wasn't a young lad. I was, I was a twinkle in my mother's eye. No, I'd be telling lies there. I'd be telling lies. Mike, I'd be telling lies. I wasn't a twinkle. I was born, but only just, okay? Okay, a few years, Kev. There was a few years. If I'd have straw-polled it then, I guess that most hands would go up. Because I can remember the neighbours that we grew up in. You know, in Mansfield, I remember them. I'm not going to name them for the tape because actually the woman who was next door to us, she hated the sight of me and my brother because we kept having to knock on the door. Can we have a ball back? I'll give you your ball, she used to say to us. Like that. But I remember her. I know her name and I know the other side. I knew the neighbours. And people are disconnected. In 2010, the Mental Health Foundation unearthed something very interesting. They found loneliness to be greater amongst young people than the over 55s. Josh, you've got a massive uh, challenge with your, youth, with your youth team because I want, you need to listen to this very carefully, all of you who are involved in youth ministry. Because they then went on to survey them. There was a recent poll. And this was the question, how often do you feel lonely? And they surveyed all the age ranges. So they surveyed those 18s to 34s, then the 35s to 54s, and then the 55s and overs. And the question was, how often do you feel lonely? And this is what they answered. 50, listen to me. 
57% of those who are in their 18s to 34s says they, they regularly, 57% feel lonely. 57%. That's huge. As opposed to 35% of the over 55s. So everybody thinks that this is an issue with older people. And let me tell you, there is an issue with older people because older people can often get overlooked. And that's why I'm glad Arena Church is multi-generational. That's why I'm glad we're able to welcome people of older generations. I know you don't like the music. I get some of you have to wear the earplugs, but you get why you do it. You know why we want to do it. Because we want to reach young people and young families, but not to the detriment of just wanting to drive out all the over 55s. Are you hearing me, over 55s? Because we love you and we appreciate you. We appreciate all you bring to this church. You are amazing. Are you listening to me? You are amazing. But often people think, it's the over 55s, and actually, we have a problem amongst our younger people. You see, there's a photo going to come up on the screen. You can be in a crowd and still be lonely. Variety of people there, all ages, all backgrounds, all colors, all creeds, all job, all demographics. I'm sure there is. And often people think, well, all I need to do is just get in amongst people and then I'm going to be okay. Actually, it's not about getting amongst people and I'll open that up in a moment. Because you can be even here today and still feel incredibly lonely. So what are the causes of this loneliness? Well, again, as I did a little bit of research for this message, there were six things that kept being highlighted on the different research that I was reading into. Now they've they've got six and I just want to throw up another three. The first thing they said was that people are lonely because they have been abused or they have been rejected. Secondly, people are lonely because they're unable to fit in. Thirdly, a broken heart. People have hearts that are broken. Fourthly, there's an an introvert bias. They're biased towards just being alone and secluded. Number five, betrayal. People are betrayed and then never feel that they can trust again and so they withdraw. And six, I thought this was an interesting one, pride. People are isolated and lonely because they've never been able to say they're sorry. Because we all stand there, don't we? We've all been in this in relationships. I'm sure you haven't, but let me talk about me and Caroline for a moment. Well, I've done nothing wrong, so I'm not saying anything. Isn't that true, fellas? We never do anything wrong, do we, guys? Give me a wave. Oh, we've got a great big wave there at the back. We never do anything wrong, and Kath's looking at me now thinking, yeah, right, dream on. You guys are always doing something wrong. Uh, We've never done anything wrong. Well, I'm not saying I'm sorry. She's thinking, well, I'm not saying I'm sorry. Hello, am I talking to anybody? Because this is how things happen. Simple things like this, even in families... I'll, I'll just bring this to, towards the end of my application. This is how things start. And because of our pride, we don't swallow our pride and make the first step. People live lonely and isolated. There's another three things that I want to just talk about that I want to add to very quickly why people live in loneliness. 
And those six all, all are true, but there are some people also are, who are lonely out of choice. Because they live to, they choose to live isolated. I was reading about Phil Collins, you know, the great drummer and actor and whatever. Lives reclusively. Reclusively. You know, all you young people are now going to go down in your restaurant. I'm still the, 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 the K-dog and everything else, but I want to just, okay, just tell you who I am. I used to love, as a kid growing up, Doris Day. You older guys know I'm talking. Doris, pillow tuck, pillow tuck. Some of you guys have no idea what I'm like. She was a really glamorous star of the 50s and 60s and just... But I saw a documentary of her and how she lives just reclusively. There's so many movie stars. There's so many people who choose to live reclusively. Live on the alone. Live in isolation. There are some people, and there may be some reasons why they do that, which I can't un- unpack. But there are some people who also live out of loneliness because of fear and insecurity. We touched on that because their hearts may have been broken or they've been a- a- abused or betrayal. But there's also some people, let me just touch on that word of insecurity. Some people choose to be lonely because of their insecurity. Because they're always measuring themselves against others in the crowd. I've counseled numbers of people. You must understand this. I've counseled numbers of people. And this comes out. They're always measuring themselves against others. And they never measure up because they have rose-tinted spectacles how everybody else looks. Some of you could look at me and think he's got it all together and he's, he's... some of you might not think that, but some of you might think he's got it all together and all sorted and, you know, da 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 da. You've not been around my world. I do, live, I do live with the discipline and I do love Jesus. I'm not sloppy and, you know. But we can have this estimation that everybody's far greater than we are. Am I talking to anybody this morning? And as a result of us looking on at those people, we then begin to think, oh, I could never be like them. So instead of this pursuing us on, it, it sends us away. Our own insecurities. And then some people are lonely because of their bad character, their poor qualities. I do need to say that because there are some people who are lonely because they have no friends, because nobody wants to be around them. I mean, who wants to be a friend of a selfish person, a swindler? Who wants to be a friend of a nasty person? Bad character. I don't. In fact, Proverbs talks about keeping away from those kinds of people. Keeping away from them. But listen to me. There are some reasons why people are lonely, but I just want to just rest on this for a moment. Some people have loneliness inflicted upon them. You may say, what do you mean by that, Christian? Well, I believe that some people have loneliness inflicted upon them because there are people who are exclusive. They live with prejudice and they're selfish. In fact, James 2 gives us warning about this because in James chapter 2 and verse 1, this is what James says, those who believe in Jesus must not show favoritism. Those who believe in Jesus must not show favoritism. Not only am I glad that we've got a multi-generational church and we don't favoritize the younger ones against the older ones. I'm also glad that we have a church that's filled with all kinds of people. So we have people with colorful pasts. We also have people who've never done anything wrong. 
They're just squeaky clean. Everybody say squeaky clean. They're just so squeaky, they squeak everywhere. Squeak, 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 squeak. We have all kinds of people. And I'm glad as a church, we don't favoritize those who've got money against those who haven't got money. Because we don't. And by the way, none of the pastors have parking spaces. We have to park off site like everybody else. And there's a lot of churches who don't do that. By the way, we don't have green rooms where we have special guests come in and we all stay in the green rooms while you guys are just roughing it downstairs. Because we don't show favoritism. That's why we say to guest speakers when they come in, they might want to just gather themselves and we understand that, gather the thoughts, but actually get down with the people. Go and shake some hands. Go and say hello to people. Because we believe in this stuff as a leadership. Because the Bible says, do not show favoritism. Do not show favoritism to anybody. If they come in looking with an Armani suit, don't show favoritism to them. Or they come in in a Bentley, don't show favoritism to them. Again, somebody who's coming in on a push bike. Because we're all people. And this is what Jesus was dealing with with the, with the Pharisees all the time. Because they were full of hypocrisy. They were full of prejudice. And Jesus dealt with it immediately. God's heart is for everyone. God's heart is for everyone, everywhere, to be connected. Psalm 68 verse 6 says this. God places the lonely in families. Just just underline that for a moment. God places the lonely in families. If you are lonely today, God is wanting to actively take you and place you in a family. It's called the church of Jesus Christ. If I can be as bold to say, it's called Arena Church. If you're lonely here, God wants to take you. And if you are sincere, if you're sincere in your motives, God wants to take you, if you are lonely, and place you in a family. I love what it says in the message. It says there that God provides a home for the homeless. I love that thought. God provides a home for the homeless. You see, we want this to be a family of love and of care and of kindness and of encouragement, of affirmation and safety. I'm mindful when I use the word family because your experience of family is very disjointed. Your experience of family is not great. Your, your experience of family may be very, very divided. Your experience of family may not have been full of safety. It was the complete opposite. But the kind of family that God is wanting to place you in is an affirming family, is a loving family, is a caring family. I love what Debbie wrote. I asked if I could say this. If you get the weekly news, if you don't, then you need to go to the resource hub and there's a, a newsletter that comes out each week with just some inspiration. This is what she says. Lisa wrote it, but there was just a, an excerpt from Debbie. I was probably the least likely to be, the, to be picked for the job I'm currently in. I came unqualified on paper to do what I'm currently doing. When I joined church for the longest time, I didn't feel like I fitted in. I found it so hard. I actually used to run away as it felt that hard. I didn't feel at home at all. I'm a widow with seven children. And like Lisa, I have a colorful past. Nevertheless, picked I was. In this job, I have found my calling. In this church, I have found my home. 
Debbie, you need to know. I was reading that with Caroline while we were away. And I turned to Caroline and I said, read this. I said, this is why we do what we do. It was the inspiration to get me back from that sunny climate. <laughs> round the pool. With Mike, with buffet galores. That was the incentive to get me back here. Because this is why we do what we do. I'm believing that God's going to help us to just see more and more people who feel alone, who feel broken, to just become part of the family. My time's nearly gone, and I haven't even got to relationships. But I just want to quickly just work through something here, just to finish this part off. Whilst we was away, we were in a, an old-fashioned American institution called Bob Evans. And in this restaurant, we just went for breakfast, and you might not get it on the screen. I took a photo. Yeah, you can't really see it. But on that caption there, there's the founder of this. He was a farmer. And he just started creating a restaurant. And out of that grew a brand. But this is what it says on there. That they, their, their mission statement is to treat strangers like friends and friends like family. Let me say that again. To, street, to treat strangers like friends and friends like family. And I got thinking about Arena Church. I think that just sums us up, really. We want to treat strangers. If you're a stranger here today, we want you to become a friend. And we're hopeful as you become a friend, you'll become part of the family of God. Because that is God's heart for you. God's heart is for everyone. And he wants us to be relationally connected. Let me just quickly say these, bullet point them. Because there are many, many relationships of all shapes and sizes. There's marriage. There's friends. There's family. There's work colleagues. There's sports buddies. All different kinds of relationships that we encounter in our day-to-day lives. And relationships are good. Listen to me. Relationships are good. In fact, they're God-ordained. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. This is what God says. It's not God For man to be alone. So I will make a helper, I will make a helper suitable for him. The Lord God says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. We often skirt over that because we know those verses, those who know the Bible a little bit. But just think about that for a moment. The God of heaven, who just created all the heavens and the earth, and he created Adam... And by the way, yes, we do believe this. We do believe this actually as it's written in the Bible. They created Adam and, out, and, out of, uh, created Eve out of Adam, out of the, you know, the, um, the rib, rib cage, yeah. I was just trying to feel for mine, and it's just all that American food. It's just got lost. But it's not good for man to be alone. You see, God instituted relationships because he knows that we're not good alone. Yeah. Blokes, let's be honest, who's good alone here? And please don't run your wife, oh yeah, my wife. We, we, we need our wives and we need one another. Yeah. And ladies, by the way, you need us, yes. blokes. Yeah. And even if you're not married, you still need to have a helper. Yeah. You still need to have people who will help you. Yeah. We all need to be in relationship. Yeah. 
So God says, I will make a suitable helper for him. So he is committed to relationships. I do need to get this out. Will you just give me another five minutes? Is that okay? I won't be longer than that. Because there's a couple of statements that I want to make. Because the big one is marriage and divorce. The big relationship that we all face here is, is many of us who are older now is just thinking about marriage or... And I want to say this, because we have numbers of people who are married and divorced here. And I want to be clear. God's heart is for marriages to stay together. That is God's heart. Underline that. However, I realize, Phil realizes, and if I can say this, God realizes, that through the brokenness of the world in which we live, Relationships, marriages, break down. If I can say this, some things are unreconcilable outside of Jesus. Hear the language. Some things are unreconcilable outside of Jesus. I believe if both parties are in Jesus, it can be reconciled. If there's a willingness. Not always the way that needs to be. There's choices. But outside of Jesus, there are some things that are unreconcilable. And whilst we are big advocators of marriage and staying together and keeping together, we also want to say to some people here today who have experienced the pain of divorce and separation, you are very welcome here. And we love you to bits. And you are very welcome here. And we just want to gather you and wrap our arms around you. And we never want you to feel like you're second class because you're not. We also recognize that some of you don't want to be on your own. You want to be married and you're not presently. We just want to say we're praying with you and standing with you at this time. Are you hearing just my heart towards you? But the underlying fact is that God believes in marriage and he wants marriages to stay together where possible. Let me just move on quickly. Because there's not just marriages, there's other relationships as well. And I think it's important that in this series of just looking at relationships and how people can feel lonely, I think it's important that we find a place for good relationships. I think this is a good place, a corporate gathering. I also think another great place, and we haven't got time for it, Paul's here as the leader of all the small groups, and we have small group leaders here. I think a great place for relationships are small groups. If you're not presently in a small group, I'd encourage you to try try and get connected to one. We need more small group leaders, don't we, Paul? Uh, Certainly around Ilkeston and Mansfield and over this M1 corridor. We want to see people connected through groups. And we want people to find a place in teams. There are some teams that are great teams because they're more than just a working team. You actually do life together. I'm encouraged when I hear team members saying to me, oh yeah, I was out with this person or we did this together. Or I, I love that because it's more than just working together. They're actually doing life together. It's important that we find a place for our relationships. But for these relationships, both in marriage and in the other wider context for them to work, we have to do a number of things. Quickly, number one, we have to give ourselves away. If we want relationships, we've got to give ourselves away. Two, we've got to learn to compromise. 
You know what it's like in marriage. We've got to give and we've got to take. We've got to also, number three, go with our eyes wide open because there are no relationships that are perfect. Like I said, you could look on a different context here and think, oh, they've got the perfect marriage, the perfect relationships. I want to tell you, get behind closed doors. It won't be perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship. And if you go into a relationship in a small group context, for instance, and think, oh, that, that Des and Sue, they're the most wonderful people, and they are wonderful people. Where are Des and Sue? Oh, they're there, yeah. They're, they're wonderful people. But if you go in thinking, oh, they're just, oh, that Des is just so spiritual and holy, and oh, Sue, she's so spiritual and holy, and it's true, they are. I'm genuinely there. But I'm telling you, you're going to, they'll be knocked off the pedestal because they're not perfect. None of us are. So you've got to go into relationships knowing that actually there's no such thing as a perfect relationship. And you've got to enter that relationship freely and openly. Number four, you've got to live with kindness and gentleness. I just want to read these verses very quickly from Colossians and chapter 3 and verse 12 and 14. Because they're worthy of reading. If we can get them on the screen, that would be great. Have we got him? Did I give you those, Chris? Colossians 3, verse 12 to 14. This is what it reads. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Listen, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If we want to build relationships and make them work, we've got to live with kindness and gentleness. But it also talks about in those passages of Scripture about forgiving. And that's my last point. If we want to make relationships work, we've got to forgive quickly. I'm going to irritate the heck out of you. And you are going to irritate the heck out of me if we spend long enough together. Not all the time, but there's just going to be things. Why does he do that? Why does he do that thing with his... You know, you know young love. You've all been young love and everything's dreamy and wonderful. But then once it all, you start thinking, why are they flipping well doing that? Yeah? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And why does she do that? That really irritates the heck out of me. You've got to learn to compromise, you've got to learn to live with kindness and goodness, and you've got to learn to forgive quickly. This is how you make relationships work. So, I've finished, but I want to say this to you. Because there's obviously a felt need around loneliness and relationships. There's some people here who may feel very lonely. There's some people here who've got lots of friendship groups. So I just challenge you to try and connect those two together. How do we do that? Be a friend to someone new this week. In fact, let's take it even closer. Why don't when we go downstairs, not just stay with the same people? Why don't we just be a friend to someone new? Why don't we just get to know somebody a little bit better and see if we can just begin to build a relationship? The second thing I'd imply to you is this. And I do believe that the Lord just helped me to, inspired me to write this down for certain people. Who do I need to extend forgiveness and compassion to? Because very often relationships break down because we're not willing to compromise. We're not willing to 
swallow our pride. And actually Jesus is commanding us to forgive as the Lord forgave you. So who do you need to extend forgiveness and compassion to? If you're lonely here today, we don't want you to feel lonely. God takes the lonely and places them in families. If you're in a relationship now, I want to encourage you. If you're married and you're just thinking, flipping out, I wish I wasn't. I want to just encourage you to just stay, stay married, loving one another, working out what you need to work, work out. If you're divorced here today and you felt the pain of that, we want you to feel like you're just welcome here and knowing that God's got a great plan for your life. If you are in isolation, we want to encourage you to just give of yourself and just allow a small group, a team, a person to just encourage you this morning. Do you receive that in Jesus' name? Why don't we stand to our feet? Why don't we stand?